middle of a series right now called Mental, and we're talking about uh, the mental space, talking about the mind. If you were here last week, you got to see my beautiful drawing up here. Uh, somebody said that I created the guy with an afro. That was not intentional, although I do like to be inclusive and all of that. But no, that, that was not intentional. Um, and then some kids came up after service and half erased it and I had to sort of redraw it. So, But anyway, if you missed the last couple weeks, I can't re-explain everything that we talked about uh, that you have to go on our YouTube channel or our website and, and get weeks one and two. But the, the, the gist, the basic part of what we were getting to and discussing was all to sort of arrive at this one point of man, the human being is made up of multiple parts. And first and foremost, we are a spirit. And this is the part of us that gets born again when we are saved. Casey, turn me down just a little bit, bud. This is the part of us that gets born again. It's our spirit. Uh, it's, it's the part of us that's recreated in the image of God. Thank God when we became saved, old things passed away. All things became new in our spirit. But what did not change, your mind didn't change, and your body didn't change. Meaning, if in your mind you have some wrong ways of thinking, you have some bad memories, you have a lot of dysfunction up here. Well, unfortunately, that is still there. If you had sickness in your body, if you had pain, if it's not that the gospel can't change those things, but just because you got saved, that doesn't automatically go away. But what God did was he gave you, by changing this, he gave you the, the foundational part to then transform everything else. And so what we're focusing on is the mental the mental part. We talked about how the mind expresses itself through the body, meaning the, the body is simply just the vehicle for the mind. If you separate, if you could separate the mind and body without killing each other, if you could take the, your brain and you could set it on a shelf and you could take your body and lay it down in a bed, they would both be completely helpless without each other because the mind drives the body. The mind is the, it get, it's the captain. It sits in the captain's seat. Your body can't just go and do anything that it wants to do without the mind. And the mind has no way of fulfilling its desires and thoughts without a body or without a vehicle. And then, deeper than both of those, you have the spirit of man. And the Bible talks about all of this. But what we are focusing on is the mind. We, we see, they work together in so many ways, and they affect each other in so many ways. We talked about how what comes in through the eyes and what comes in through the ears goes in the mind. And if you meditate on something long enough, that goes down into your spirit. And then Jesus talked about how the reverse has happened too, that whatever ha has been put in here can come out too. Whatever is in the heart, he says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sin, all kinds of sin. What is, what, what is in the heart comes out this way too. It gets in the mind. Once it's in the mind, it's fulfilled in the fruit of our lives and in the space of our physical body. So what we're focusing on in this series is the mind because the mind is the part of us that has to be renewed. You need, you need to be saved and born again for this to be transformed. 
And praise God, Ezekiel chapter 36 tells us about that process. Looking forward, we read this last week, Ezekiel 36, 26. God said, and I will give you a new heart. That's a spirit. And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone. In other words, if, if you were not saved, you were just living this life and you were full of sin and wickedness and, and all kinds of things, you pretty much ruined your heart. You were, you were born with a heart of sin anyway, but you got all kind of junk in here. The good news of the gospel is that when you become born again, you can get a new heart. And that's the building blocks for everything else. If you try to change this and this without changing this, it's not going to work. And that's why in our world you see people, they're so obsessed with fitness and eating right and being vegan and all these things. And then they go to the best schools. They'll go to Yale and Harvard and they'll, they'll get the intellect right. Actually, I think that probably gets it more wrong, but that's another sermon. But they do so hard to work on this and make this smart. And they get the body right and the mind right. But if they don't change this, they're still just as rotten, just as lost, just as hopeless as ever. Because this is the core of man and this is what God changes. But once God changes this, once God puts a new heart within us, that's when all the real work begins for you as a Christian. Now, if you were born and raised in a good, moral, Christian home, you still had to get saved at some point. You still had to have the, your spirit regenerated and born again. But maybe the mind wasn't in such a bad place because you'd been taught all the right things. You'd been taught the Bible. You'd been taught good morals. You'd been taught according to the law of God. So when you got saved, you may not have had just a tremendous amount of work to do up here. But if you weren't raised like that, and you were living in deception, and you were living in sin, and every thought you had and, and way of life you had was contrary to God, well, when you got saved, you got a lot more work to do up here. And what the Bible calls this process is mind renewal. Mind renewal renewal. You get a new heart, but you don't get a new mind or a new body, but the gospel will work its way out from your heart into the rest of your life. Let's talk about mind renewal this morning. We're going to start in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, the flesh being the part of you that's unregenerate, it could refer to your actual physical body that is dying, but it also refers to the part of you that, it refers to your sin nature, the part that you're born with that um, it, it's, it's bent towards sin, bent towards rebellion against God's word. So he says, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according or by their spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit or on the things of the Holy Spirit or the things of God. If you live by this, he says it's going to affect your mind. But if you live by the flesh, it's going to affect your mind. So he said, those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh, look at this, is hostile to God. Have you ever heard any thoughts come out of this world that were hostile towards God and towards the things of God and towards God's word? I'm hearing them more and more. I'm hearing them more and more. If you hadn't heard them, I don't know where you've been living. You haven't been living in America but there's a lot of thoughts right now in this nation and in this world that are 
hostile towards God, hostile towards the Word of God. And that is the natural bend of our minds is towards the flesh and towards sin. He said, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Look, if it, before you got saved, if you had a mind that all it wanted to do was make excuses for sin and make excuses for the way you live and want to, want to try to convince yourself that God doesn't exist and there is no God and all of that, that's natural. The, because the mind is naturally bent towards being hostile towards God and not submitting to God's law. That's part of that sin nature that is in all of us when we are born, when we come onto this planet. So what we have to do as believers is we have to submit our mind under the Word of God. We have to submit our mind under God's law and God's way. Yeah, you were changed in, in here, praise God. You were changed in your spirit when you were born again, but your mind may still be hostile towards God. And so now you're going to go through a process of washing and cleaning and scrubbing all that old data, deleting all that old information, that bad information, and inputting new and better information that is the truth of God's Word. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And this is why some people, when they get saved, they, they may falter and they may have some crazy thoughts down the, down the road, and they'll even come to the point where they think, well, man, if I'm still thinking like that, am I even saved in the first place? Well, you might indeed be saved, but you're in this process now. You're working out this. Any of you ever had any thoughts like that? You don't got to raise your hand. I know you're in church. It's a little bit embarrassing, but you ever had any thoughts like that? You're like, man, where'd that come from? Am I even saved if I'm thinking like that? Yeah, you might well be saved. You might be well be saved, but there's some issues up here that have to be Resolved, and the Bible calls that mind renewal. Whatever is going on upstairs is controlling your life. Whatever is going on up here is controlling your life. And that's why the mind is the battlefield. This is where the battle takes place. This is where Satan gets involved through deception. Think about it all the way back to the very beginning, Adam and Eve. He couldn't make Adam, Eve, take, take a bite out of that fruit. He couldn't make them rebel against God. He had no power to do that, no control to do that, could not, could not physically force them to do wrong. The only thing he had access to was this. All he could do was plant thoughts up here and say, now after what I just told you and after the information I just gave you, what choice do you want to make? Why? Because he can't control your choices. All he can do is influence you here to try to get you to choose. And that's why the battlefield ends up being up here. Look, if you're losing the battle, you're losing it up here. And that's why I say whatever is going on upstairs is controlling your life. And Satan knows that, and that's where the battleground. We see it happening on a large scale, and, and I'll give you a couple examples, but really it's happening every day in our lives. And even believers, the Bible talks about, can be deceived because they, they meditated on and they entertained the wrong thoughts that were contrary to the Word of God. But in our culture right now, a big one is transgenderism. All right, this is the craziest thought that ever came into, into mankind. Anybody with any common sense looks around, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
How could any normal sane person believe in anything like that? And even that statement, maybe some of us are cringing a little bit going, oh, I can't believe he said that. Oh, Lord, God. That's how stupid we got. Okay, so that, that's how, you, you could, it's like saying the sky's blue and somebody going, oh, God, that's going to offend somebody. Well, that's just the world we live in right now. I mean, you take the, the most common sense, plain things and pretend like that, that's, that opinion is somehow as valid as every other opinion. They're just some crazy ideas out there, right? But that thought, Look at how Satan is using that thought to destroy and control young people's lives. I've never seen a generation more confused. And, and how does it happen? It's thought, it, it happens up here. And the more that that message gets out, the more it's talked about on social media, the more it's normalized in, in the media, the more it's talked about on TV, the more it's talked about in schools, the more, the more it's pushed the more that mind renewal is happening in the wrong direction. The more mind renewal is happening so that a, a, a person that is hearing those thoughts, it's not very much for Satan to just come in their mind now and you see a few little things in your life, a few little differences, a few little issues in your life, and it's nothing for Satan to plant that idea and go, well, maybe you were born in the wrong body. Maybe you're really a woman in a man's body. Maybe you're really a man in a woman's body. Because all this nonsense that's being, being pushed. And we could name so many topics like that. We could name so many issues like that. But here's what we find, and we see this process at work. The more it's talked about, the bigger it gets. Why? Because the more it's talked about, the more it's hanging around up here in people's mind, in people's headspace. And so what ends up happening? Well, whatever's going on up here ends up controlling people's lives. Do you know how many young people are going to have been influenced by a decision like that and 5, 10, 15 years down the road are going to be so completely lost and confused, life ruined, destroyed because of this. And we're just using this as a one example, but there are many. And this is what Satan does. He puts those thoughts in and they begin to work. Where they should have been refuted, where they, where they should have been cast down, they're accepted. And before long, it begins to manifest itself on the outside, but it all started up here. The same thing happened a few years ago, <clears throat> really, you know, a uh, few decades ago at this point, with the school, school shootings, right? The, the, the first school shooting that we all heard about, you know, there, there was others, but the first big one we heard about was Columbine, and then it just seemed to be like a domino effect. They started happening all over the place until now you're going to hear about several every year. Why? Because that, when it happened the first time, that thought activated in a lot of people's minds, and they'd never seen it before. Maybe they'd never heard about it. Maybe that thought had never come into their mind. But when it became prominent, that thought began to hang around up here. And what happened? Certain people began acting on that thought. That's why I say whatever is going on up here is controlling your life. And this is how the process of mind renewal works. It can work in both directions. But God is the one who invented this process. God is the one who invented <clears throat> the idea that a mustard seed could be planted up here and then it could grow into a massive, massive tree that's bearing fruit and that affects your whole, whole life. Here's something that I think we've learned about mind renewal. You cannot just delete information in your mind. It has to be replaced with more powerful information. I wish there was a delete button up here. 
<clears throat> how many of you have seen some things, heard some things that you wish you could just hit the backspace <clears throat> and, and delete those things? <clears throat> Wouldn't that be easy if some of the experiences you had, <clears throat> excuse me, when you were younger, some of the trauma you experienced, some of the abuse you experienced, if you could just go back and, and delete those things and just it never happened. Well, wouldn't that be easy? But that's not how the mind works. <clears throat> you cannot delete. You, don't, you cannot just delete information. So first of all, that ought to tell you how careful we ought to be about what information comes into our minds. Because I can tell you there's a whole generation of young people that, that have their phones like this 24-7 that are downloading a lot of unhelpful information. And that information will not just go away. <clears throat> Some of them are seeing things, hearing things, seeing images that they'll never be able to unsee. Because you cannot just go back and delete that, that information. And as parents, we are responsible for that, by the way, what they hear and what they see and what they experience. We are responsible to guard them in that way and in that capacity. But you can't just delete information. It must be replaced with more powerful information. For example, if I told you, if I, if I found out and got information that someone was coming to your house to kill you tonight, and I told you, I have information, somebody's coming to your house to kill you tonight, that information might scare you a little bit. You're like, man, I'm going to, that makes me nervous. But then if I said, yeah, but the, uh, I also heard that the president loves you and he's sending the secret service to guard your house tonight. Then you might go, oh, well, the second set of information is more powerful than the first because if they can guard the president, surely they can, they can guard me against this little guy trying to break in my house. So you have more powerful information that offsets the first bit of information. And this is what mind renewal does. This is the power of the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word of God is alive and active. It's not like normal, it's not like a normal book. Okay, you go read some business book or you get some novel. Yeah, it can affect your mind. The Word of God is different. The Word of God is literally food for your spirit. And it is powerful. It is anointed by God. It is literally the words of God. It's the same words. Talking about the power of the Word, it's the same words of God that spoke creation into existence that said with words, let there be light, and the sun was created. So those words are the same words we read in the Word of God that have been written down. They carry power. They carry anointing with them. And so when you read the Word of God and you renew your mind with the Word of God, there is a supernatural cleansing, washing that has happened in your mind. And remember, whatever's going on up here will control your life. Let's look at it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, we were talking about spirit, spirit, mind, and body, these, the, these elements. You see them all right here. First, he, first of all, he says, I appeal to you, which would be the spiritual part of you, the real you. I appeal to you to present your body. So Paul almost separates the two like you have control over your body, almost like something you own. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Here's the thing, guys. Mind renewal is happening either way. It's either... 
it's either happening and you're being conformed to the world or it's happening and you're being transformed to be like Christ. Every day you are taking in information that is renewing your mind. It's, it's, it's affecting how you think, how you see the world, how you act, how you talk, what you believe is true, what you believe is a lie, what you believe is right, what you believe is wrong. That's all either you being conformed to the world or you're being transformed by the Word of God into the image of Christ. So what we have to do is we have to put the Word to work for us and we have to learn how to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Now, if you've been coming to One Life, <clears throat> let's say, for three years or more, this process is well on its way at work, you know, the process of mind renewal. And it is a long process. If you come every Sunday and every Wednesday in life groups, this process is expedited. Your mind is being renewed, you know, weekly a couple times a week, and that process is expedited. If you come once a month, it's still happening. But, but is it enough to offset what, what you're hearing the rest of the time? And I, and I wonder that about our kids sometimes because they'll go to school, and guess what? Their mind is being renewed all day. They're being renewed by what they're teaching. If it, Hopefully they go to a school that, that shares your values, that communicates your values. But if not, their mind is being renewed every day. You could say indoctrinated. That's another way of saying it. If they go to school and they're there for six to eight hours a day and they're hearing lies, they're hearing garbage, they're hearing things that are contrary to the Word of God, and then they come home and maybe you talk to them, maybe you don't, maybe you offset it, maybe you don't. But even if you do, <clears throat> you only have got them for a handful of time. And we wonder why our teenagers are coming out the way that they are. Because every day they're in a process of mind renewal and as the, as the school system and really as our culture has moved away from God more and more, I mean, think about it, we've kicked God out of school. We've kicked God just about every, out about every public space available. And then we send our kids there and they're, they're part of it day in and day out. Now, now, can that be overcome with more powerful information? Yes, it can, but not if you're on cruise control. Not if you're just living life and just thinking, oh, well, they'll be okay. They'll turn out. I'm seeing more and more, no, they will not. Not unless they have parents that are extremely active and extremely intentional about offsetting that bad information that they're getting in their mind because it will affect them. I've seen many, and we've been pastoring this church for 13 years, and I've talked sadly. I've had many conversations with parents that are getting a revelation about their child, these, these secret beliefs and things they've been harboring in their mind and heart about their identity and who they are, and they're coming out and they're telling their parents, well, I believe this way, and their parents are horrified, and they're going, where did that come from? Well, it's not really a big secret. They're being indoctrinated by something. They're, 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 ha they're experiencing mind renewal every day in the wrong direction. And listen, this is where Satan's battleground is. This is where he's fighting. Is for the mind. And so many times, uh, as parents, we can be out of tune, out of touch with what's going on in the mental space of our children. Because it would terrify me to think that a lie from Satan would be, would be planted up here and that little thought just marinate and germinate and meditate day after day, night after night, 
without me ever having any input on that. And that's happening over and over and over again. So the process of being conformed to the world or being transformed by the Word of God is happening all the time. And really all you have is just competing information. That's all it is. It's just competing information. It's the world's view versus God's view. Come to marriage. What does the world think? What does God think? Come to sexuality. What does the world think? What does God think? Come to gender. What does the world think? What does God think? Come to money. What does the world think? What does God think? Over and over and over again. And if you're listening and inundated and and in this 24-7, even if you think, well, I don't believe that stuff. Listen, hang around it long enough. Listen to it long enough. Meditate on it long enough. And watch how it affects you. Because nobody's mind is beyond being deceived. And the Word of God warns us about this over and over again. Jesus actually said that in the last days that this would increase. The, the deception in the world would increase. We're seeing it right before our eyes because people are being deceived on the simplest of topics, on things that are, we would just think this is impossible for anybody to think differently on this. It's so clear. Uh, but it's, it's happening. People are deceived by it. Why would that be happening? Well, it's, it's part of this process. As our world has rejected the Word of God, as churches even have shied away from preaching the Word of God and proclaiming truth in areas that are offensive, proclaiming truth in areas that, that are like off-limits, what happens? Well, that's the only thing that counteracts it. I mean, if, if the church is not bold, and what we, if we go, well, our, well, I can't say that because our church, you know, it, it's too big. And if I say that, may, people might leave. Then how are we going to pay the bills? Well, look, you're, you're in the ministry for the wrong reason then. I mean, you're serving God for the wrong reason. Um, you know, I, I'm not looking for our church to shrink, by the way. I, I mean, I love, I'm looking for our church to grow. But I didn't go into ministry for that. I didn't go in the ministry so we could have the biggest church in town. I didn't go in ministry so we, so we could have a, a big church or be like a great entrepreneur that's just always expanding in every area. I didn't go into ministry for that. I went into ministry to serve God. And, and whatever that looks like, that's what I'm going to do. That's what we're going to do, right? As a church, we're, as a people of God, we're going to serve God, whatever the cost. And so we have to declare things boldly. Why? Because we're the, we are the light of the world. Didn't Jesus talk about this? He said, if you take a light and you put it under a basket, who's going to be the light? The whole world's going to be in darkness. And I'm telling you, one of the reasons why the church, why the world is moving more towards darkness is because those who have the light are putting it under a bushel. They're not saying what needs to be said. They're not preaching what needs to be preached. And this is not just for pastors. This is for Christians. We have to boldly declare, that's a lie. That's not right. This is truth, and this is what God's Word says. Listen, you'd be shocked at somebody who's mulling around in all this deception. And what can happen when one Christian boldly speaks up and brings a little bit of light into the situation? What can happen in that person's mind and in that person's life? And so we can't be ashamed of what we believe. Paul said that. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I don't care whether it's offensive, whether it's not. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God to salvation. And so if somebody doesn't proclaim boldly God's word, how does salvation come into a person's life? It, it won't happen. 
And I'll tell you this, I think the more that we've watered things down, the more, and again, not just churches, I'm talking about Christians in general. The more that we water things down, the more the gospel loses its power. The only power that the gospel has, the only power that the word has is in its accuracy. And when you water it down because you don't want to offend, you're you're doing a different uh, model than Jesus did. Because I can tell you, Jesus or Paul did not live that way. They did not speak that way. They did not communicate that way. They, They spoke in a bold way that set people free. And that's what the Bible says. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But look, if you change the truth, if you edit the truth, if you water down the truth, it loses its power to set people free. It's only in proclaiming the truth of God's word accurately that sets people free. Some watered down, edited version of that doesn't do it. So that's why we have a job to do. And part of what proclaiming the truth, what it does is it transforms people's mind. So can you see the situation that we're in in our nation right now? As Christians have gone quiet because they've started experiencing, I would say, a very, very light, very light, very, very light form of persecution over their beliefs, not as accepted, not as popular, being pushed sort of to the edges. Uh, As that's happened, Christians have gotten quieter, churches have gotten quieter, pastors have gotten quieter on issues. And so now the process of deception is just, it's like a snowball now because there's no truth to counteract it. There's no truth to counteract. Look, it's a shame. I, I'm not, I didn't, wasn't planning on saying none of this this morning, so just hang with me for a minute. But it's a shame. It is an it embarrassment if you have non-Christian podcasters that are talking more on these issues than the church. That's a shame that you got to go. Sometimes you got to go to the world to actually hear somebody that has a little. They're not even a Christian. Just going, what is this stupidity that we're, that we're living in and doing right now? That's a shame. The church ought to be the loudest voice on all of these topics and issues because, we're, because we knew it first. We knew it a long time ago, what God said about every one of these issues. So we have to proclaim it boldly. But listen, it's not just pastors. It's, it's every Christian. When you're in a conversation and you're at work and you're in a group and you're in friends, if you sit there quietly, and you don't, you don't speak boldly because I don't want to upset anybody, I don't want to ruffle, well, who am I to judge? All of those mindsets are the reason why this has, this has continued. And to that one thought of, well, I, you know, who am I to judge? I don't want to judge. Christians are supposed to be loving. You know, I don't, I don't want to judge anybody. This is what I always say. It's not your job to judge. It's the Word of God that judges. And your job, though, is to proclaim His judgments. You don't have to judge. God already judged. Somebody asked, I hate that. People ask, say, well, what do you think on this topic? You know, pastor so-and-so, what do you think on this topic? Uh, gay marriage or this, that. Well, like, well, you know, who am I to judge? I'm not anybody to judge. That's right, you're not. But God already made the judgments. He wrote them down in a book. And your job is to proclaim those judgments boldly and accurately. You're not making yourself the judge. You're not the judge. God is the judge. But you are a messenger. And you're either going to be a good messenger or you're going to be a bad messenger. You either deserve to be promoted for the message or you deserve to be fired because <laughs> you do, you're not doing a good job as being a messenger. So, okay, well, we're having fun this morning. Glory to God, having a good time. <laughs> but look, I, 
I understand the, the challenges we face, but we've got to find some resolve in here. At some point, we have to start caring more about what God thinks than what people think. And the reason this is so crucial is because I'm watching people and young people in particular just swept up in these waves of deception because there's no voice of truth to counteract what they're hearing. And when that happens, their mind is being conformed to think just like the world. And if, that, if that's not counteracted, our nation is going to look very different in the next 10 years. So we have a job to do. Now, let's talk a little bit about mind renewal. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, one of the things the Bible tells us is that the Word of God is like a medicine for your mind. It's like a healing balm for your mind. I want you to imagine as you read the Word of God, as you hear the Word of God, it, it's like a medicated balm being applied to your mind that's just healing areas of your mind, different thoughts and, and hurts and pains and deception. It's just cleaning that out. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life. My words are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. There are a few ways for us to engage in mind renewal. I want to get real specific about what I mean when I'm talking about mind renewal. The first type of mind renewal is what I call the deluge method, okay? This is like just overwhelming your mind with the Word of God. I've seen this happen where some people, they get saved, and they're so hungry for the Word of God. Every podcast they can find, they're reading through the Bible. Every podcast they can find, they're listening to it, meditating on it. We literally had this happen at this church. One girl got saved. And I told, I gave her a few uh, sermon series on the website to go listen to and meditate on. Look, after two years, she had listened to every single sermon series on the website. She went back and listened, starting all the way at the beginning. She listened to every single sermon series on the entire website. That's what that's the deluge method. That's just you just you just a torrent of of word just washing your mind all the time. How do you do that? You go well. Who has the time to do that? Well, turn the TV off. You have time to do it. Put your phone down. You have time to do it. So they, what did she do? Well, she had a podcast on her phone while she's cleaning the house, while she's getting ready, while she's driving to work. Guess what? She's listening to podcasts all the time. Now, a person might think, well, how could you retain all that information? That's not the point of it. The point of it is not to retain all the information. There's a supernatural process that's going on, and your spirit is, was malnutrition and malnourished, and your spirit is just being fed, and it's working like a medicine. And here's the thing about the medicine of the Word of God. You can't overdose on it. You can't overdose on it. You, you can't take too much of it. So you just get a constant drip, a constant feeding of it all the time, and it's just healing, healing parts of this, parts of your mind, and it'll work its way out. And this one, she just listened over and over. I saw her. She grew more in two years than I've seen some Christians grow in 10 because she was just feeding on the Word of God all the time. Look, when, this is a regular part of my day. I'm going to get up, I'm going to turn podcasts on while I'm driving, while I'm getting ready to come to church. This is separate from my regular prayer life. I'm going to listen to podcasts on the Word of God because I'm constantly keeping that, that drip of the Word of God in my mind. It's part of the mind renewal process. We did this as kids. My mom knew this with us growing up. 
because whether we wanted to or not, on the way to church, we had sermons playing in the car. They were for kids. When we would go to bed at night, she had one of those cassette players that would play both sides and then just repeat. It would start over. All night, we listened to the Word of God, or something did. I was asleep. My spirit must have been getting... <laughs> I, I don't... You know, I would hear about the first 30 seconds, and then I was out. But that Word would play all night, and I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd hear that Word going, I'd go back to sleep. And yeah, that's her. She was happy about it. She, she's, <laughs> glory to God. She remembered that. Uh, but I will tell you, a miraculous thing happened, whether it was from that or just being in church my whole life. When I finally did really give my life to God at 15, it was like an explosion of the Word of God on the inside of me. I don't know if all that was just packed in there somehow, and, it, and then when I got saved, it just came out like a volcano. But I started preaching almost immediately because I had so much Word in me from all those years that when I finally got saved, it was just activated like that. And so it's a powerful thing. And look, if you're in a time where you're needing some mind renewal, okay, if you're, if you're needing mind renewal, if you, if you have an area of your life where you're struggling, let's talk specifically, okay, let's, you got an area of your life, you're dealing with lust, or you're having a marriage problem, or you're having an anger problem, you need to fill your mind with the word of God and let the word of God do its job and do its work. There will be a cleansing that will happen in your mind. The point is not to retain it. It's like if I ask you, because people say, well, I'm not going to retain all that. Well, I certainly didn't retain everything I heard in school, but somehow I learned four plus four was eight. I don't remember where I first heard it. I can't, if you said, when did you first learn that? I have no idea, but it's there. And that's how it works. You feed yourself with the word of God and you'll, you'll know things and you go, how did I know that? Because you've been feeding yourself on the word. It was just being stored away here and in here. And all in there. That's how the word works. So that's the deluge method. But the other way is direct, the direct and targeted approach. This is where you get scriptures, specific scriptures on specific areas. Okay? So, in other words, like I said, you're having a problem with a specific area. Let's just use anger uh, as a kind of a generic, soft version that most people can relate to and most people don't have a problem admitting to. We won't get into areas where people just want to, you know, hide and not act like they deal with that. But let's say anger, okay? We'll go do that real soft one there. If you're struggling with anger, all you got to do is real simple. Just get on Google and say scriptures in the Bible on anger. And it might pull up 25 scriptures and you read through and you find the ones that speak to you right where you're at. You may get five or six. It doesn't take that many. You get five or six. You print them out. Put them on your phone somewhere you can get. And regularly, like medicine, throughout your day, you pull it out in the morning and you read it and you meditate on it. Now, listen, you do that a couple times a day, you watch that area change in your life. You watch freedom come in that area of your life. Anytime you're tempted to go in that direction of that thing, anytime you're tempted or you're starting to think something, something in you is starting to pull you back into that rut or that way of doing it, you pull it out and you read those scriptures and it just sets you right back on where you're supposed to go. And if 10 minutes later it pulls out, you pull it out again. And you, nope, I'm not going that way. This is what the word says. What are you doing? You're combating wrong thinking and you're replacing bad information. And the Word of God will work in that way. The third part of this, of mind renewal, is to recognize and take thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 
says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, when he's talking about strongholds, he's talking about mental strongholds. And he's talking, for Paul, it might have been literally in a city where you go in and there's a mental stronghold of, of error or belief in an area. Like what we were talking earlier about transgenderism. Yeah, that would be a stronghold in our country right now. But Paul's talking about the power of the gospel to destroy and break down those strongholds. But in our lives, you, you may have a stronghold built in your mind. That was supposed to be like a castle or something, but I, I don't know if you can tell what that is. Okay. You may have like a stronghold built in your mind from repeated wrong thinking up here. And just because you hit it with one scripture, you know, you, you read a scripture one time or you heard one sermon, yeah, it may have took a little chip out of it, but it's still a stronghold. And there's only one way to get that stronghold down. And it is through the power of the word of God. But, but what this scripture tells us is that we have to take thoughts captive before they get to this point. Much easier to deal with then. Look at what he said. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion or every lofty thought that raises itself against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive in order to obey Christ. That literally means you take it as, as prisoner you take it under your authority. Now, I want you to think of your mind this morning. Uh, I want you to think of your mind as the southern border of the United States. Okay? And at the southern border, we're having a lot of problems right now, right? And we have for years. In an ideal, perfect world, you would have some sort of security, like a wall or something like that, that people can't illegally come into your country because why? Well, you don't know who these people are. You don't, you, they need to be checked first. People can come, but they have to come legally. This may sound like a political statement. It's not at all. I promise you. It just is not. But ideally, in a perfect world, you would have a system where people can come in legally and no one illegally can come in. And that there would be a way to process people and when they come in, you would be able to check their background, check their paperwork. And if they are approved, then they come into the country. Your mind is like that. And, and, and if, someone, if someone doesn't pass the test, if their background is checked, if they are taken captive and, they, and you find out this person is not allowed in, then they get turned away. They get sent back to where they came from. Your mind is supposed to work the same way. Our minds are supposed to have a wall of the Word of God around them. And to take every thought captive literally means that there's a checkpoint. And, and this, this, this little gate right here represents your knowledge of the Word of God. If you don't have knowledge of the Word of God, you got gaps all in this thing right here. You got gaps from every direction you got big gaps all around, and there are thoughts just coming in. They didn't get checked because you're, you're, you have gaps in the knowledge. So you hear something, and you don't know that the Word of God says that's wrong. So you go, oh, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, let that in. Oh, that ain't no problem. Sure, let that in. Oh, why can't we be like that? Yeah, that's fine. Let that in. 
But what the Word of God does is the Word of God comes in and fills these gaps. And it creates this perfect wall of security around your mind and so that everything that wants to enter has to first pass through the Word of God. And it's at this checkpoint that thoughts are taken captive. And we go, wait a minute. Does that line up with the Word of God? That is not a biblical thought or a biblical belief, so you go back to where you came from. You don't get to make it in. Why? Because remember what we read last week? Above all else, guard your heart. How do you do that? You guard your mind. Nothing gets into your heart unless it comes through here. So we have a checkpoint that is the Word of God. The Word of God is this gate, and the stronger that the more you understand and know the Word of God the more thoughts get turned away and you go, That's not a, that, that thought doesn't line up with the word. I'm not allowing that in here because if I let that in here, it's going to start building a stronghold. Right. It's just like if you let, you let people in our nation, for example, you let people through the southern border without being checked and, and then they go and they murder somebody or they rape someone or they do some horrible thing or maybe they go in and start a gang and a whole, a whole drug enterprise. What did they do? They came in and they built a stronghold. Because there wasn't a proper security check before, for that person to come in. And it's the same thing with our minds. Now, that's the idea of taking thoughts captive. Okay? These, this is all part of the, the mind renewal process. Next week, we're going to talk about how do, not only do we build this wall, but what do we do if we have strongholds that are in here that they already got in? Because, yeah, you can build this wall, but if you've already got this up here, how are you going to get rid, rid of these strongholds in your mind? How are you going to begin to break those things down with the Word of God? And I'll just give you a little, a little uh, uh, I guess, preview of it. Is I want us to look at, there's so many scriptures, but one scripture we're going to look at is Jeremiah chapter 23, 29. Look at what it says. It says, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? This is what, this is what God spoke to Jeremiah. He was talking about, he, you know, Jeremiah was always complaining about stuff. And God was saying, look, you just do your job and let my word do its job. My word is like a mighty hammer that will come in and break the rocks in pieces. And when you meditate on the Word of God and you renew your mind, it's like a mighty hammer just coming in and chipping that away, breaking that down, breaking that down, breaking that down, bre until there's nothing left. And your mind is thinking correctly and godly and biblically on every subject. Once your mind is healthy, once your mind is biblically accurate and submitted and yielded to the Word of God, the fruit that you will experience in your life is, is glorious because now you're going to be walking. You're going to be walking in the perfect will of God of how He designed you to operate in your relationships, in your marriages, in your relationship with Him, concerning holiness. Every area of your life is going to function properly because you're living it according to the owner's manual. You're living it according to God's word.